0: Good to see you today. I'm Joel Wayne. I am one of the pastors here. Uh, If you're new, I just want to echo what the other guys said up here. We are certainly excited to have you here and hope that you just experience God today. I've got a question to begin with this morning. Here's a big question. You might want to write it down. um, Or you can just write down one word to answer the question. All right, so humor me a little bit. Get out a phone if you need to. You can jot it down in your notes section if you have an iPhone. If you have something other than an iPhone, I'm sorry. Um, Or get a pen. A sheet of paper. Um, <laughs> I tried. I couldn't use the other stuff. Um, so, what one area do you struggle trusting God in the most? What is the one area that you struggle to trust God in with the most? What is that for you? Write it down, really quick. Just as that. Hey, you hear a word and it just you write it. You don't over-examine or over-analyze. Just write it down. Everybody got it? You know what it is? Good. Because today I want us to think about how we can hand that to God. To be able to trust God with it because we all walk through difficulty. We all walk through hardship in our life. So many different times um, I've been in, in difficult situations with people. And you're walking through different journeys and you're helping them explore what God is trying to do or just why life may be hard. I remember uh, I was uh, new to ministry. I was probably uh, probably 20 at this point. And I go into a hospital room with the, the lead pastor. Uh, and he's like, hey, you need to go to the hospital. And somebody else is already there visiting this individual. And um, it was a serious situation by far. I mean, it was one of those situations where you knew it was uh, really, really difficult for the family to process. And I see this guy who has already been there visiting, and he just slaps him on the back, and he says, well, just trust in the Lord, and he walks away. All I know is that the words that he spoke were truth, but the delivery did not communicate what I believe God intended. And we've all heard those words before, just trust in the Lord. And sometimes those words are well received and and you mean them well when you're speaking them. But they're a bit trite sounding as well for some of us. And the reason is, is because sometimes maybe you've experienced that you tried to trust in the Lord and you don't feel like that God delivered on his promises. And so now when you hear those words, you go, I don't know. I think David's walking through some of these similar situations in his own life. He is now in Psalm 40, he's sitting in a rough place. He's sitting in a rough place. And again, just go to Psalm 40. You can camp out there the entire time this morning. I'll be referring to some other passages, but you can just go there. Uh, Psalm 40 is this, this wonderful, tremendous passage of scripture that we can learn from. Because here's David, and he's sitting in a rough place, and he didn't really think that there was a way out. And when we look at Psalm 40, I think it's divided up, appropriately so, into two primary different areas. I'm going to begin today by hitting the latter part of it. Because what we find in Psalm 40, especially 13 through 17, I'm going to tag on to that verse 12 at the very beginning to help us have a better understanding. 12 through 17, it's, it's restated once again in Psalm 70 pretty much verbatim. So it's being said again. Anything being said more than once to me just shows the power and the magnitude of what's being stated. So I want to begin with the very end of Psalm 40. Because it is showing us the troubles and reasons that we need to trust God and what can come of it. In fact, I think the latter part, before I even read it, it it shows us David discovering and possibly rediscovering what happens when you trust in the Lord. What happens when you trust in the Lord. So I want to read this for you. It says in verse 12 through 17 of Psalm 40. May we stand together for the reading of the word of God. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. And we can just leave it up here, but some of you have been there before. Where the evils around you, the hardship around you, your sin, it seems to be beyond anything you could ever have imagined before. Why is it so hard? What do I do next? God's not doing what I need him to do. Verse 13. You see this beautiful transition. Be blessed, O oh Lord, to deliver me. O oh Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha, aha laughing at him. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. This is the word of God. You may be seated. So what we find, and again, you'll find it once again later on. You can go to Psalm 70 and see it. But here's David rediscovering that he could trust God. He acknowledges all the evils around him, all the hardships, all the difficulties. But then he calls out, Be blessed, O Lord, make haste to help me. And he calls out, and he says this, he says, Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who sneak to snatch away my life, those who delight in my hurt. He's really identifying the source of some of his trouble. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to identify the source of some of the trouble that we have in life, and then we're going to discover through the beginning of this chapter different ways in which we can trust in God. So here's one of the things that he says right away is for evils have encompassed me, my iniquities have overtaken me. Iniquity is what? Your sin. So knowing that, one of the key types of trouble that we encounter is we need to recognize is our own sin. Now we, we were able to speak about that last week a good bit with Psalm 51, that we need to confess and to repent of our sin. You, right away, and if you're new here, sin is a word that we use here at Chapel Point because it is a biblical word. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned, but we can be freed from that sin in the name of Jesus Christ. And so for us, When we call and speak out about our sin, when we confess those, when we repent of those, there is a joy in that because we recognize that there is freedom when we confess that because of the blood of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. That is the primary message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we will always celebrate in knowing that we have freedom in his name. But he's identifying that his sin is one of the primary reasons for the trouble that he is encountering. My iniquities, they've overtaken me. They flooded my life. I just keep messing up. When can I stop messing up? Why do I keep getting angry at my kids and I know I'm too hard on them and I keep doing it over and over? And so you find yourself night after night getting frustrated. Why do you keep falling into the same sin of lust and and, and being tempted by that? And you keep doing it over and over and you're going, they've overtaken me. I don't want that sin in my life. Why do I care so much about this sin of materialism and being and having everything of the world? And I don't, I want to Love God and desire God more than I love and desire those things, but I just keep putting all my time and my resources. That's where my thoughts go. Those are all issues, and and maybe those aren't the issues that David is struggling with, but those are issues that we all cope with, that we all have to confront. And so he's letting us know one of the primary areas, one of the primary reasons that we encounter trouble is because of our own sin. David has been overcome with a really poor attitude. And we see that. And he feels as though he can't make it anymore. We'll see that even more in just a moment. Another type of trouble that we encounter, though, is he acknowledges and he calls out in verse 14 and verse 15, those who slander. Those who are just beating down on him. Right? You've had that before, maybe in your life. You feel like someone's just, why are they out to get me? Right? When someone is out to get you, rarely does it have anything to do with you. It has to do with their own insecurities. So just know that. Just know that. And and we're gonna be able to speak about that some more in just a moment. But he is talking about this trouble that we encounter, and one is our own sin, but the other is those who slander. Those that you run into, and they're just so negative, and they jump on on your negativity and that poor attitude that maybe you have with your own sin, and they want to harm for you they want to harm you in any way that they can, because when you are harmed, they feel that they are elevated. Two primary ways. I want to help you out with something here, hopefully, because I know this has helped me a lot throughout my life. Two ways that you can deal with just negative people. People who want to slander you, people who want to beat you down. All right? Two different ways. And I don't even believe it's in your notes, but hopefully there's something you can jot down. You you can take it personally or you can take it prayerfully. When you take it personally, you think it's all about you. And so there you go, and you, and you live in that, and it sits on you, and it goes deep within you, and it impacts the way that you treat other people. And Typically what happens is it impacts the way that you treat the ones who love you the most. Right? Anybody taking anything from the world and taking, have you taken it home and you've taken it out on your spouse or a loved one before? Anybody done that? Please just say yes. Because then I don't feel alone. Because I've done that before. You can take it personally or you can take it prayerfully. And when I'm reminded and I recognize that majority of the time it really doesn't have very much to do with me, it allows me to take it prayerfully. And then what I find is that often, it may take time, but often in life those individuals become a different type of friend to me. And you want to know why? It's because I've taken it prayerfully. And whenever you start praying for someone, God can start to work in a unique way. I found that when I take it personally, then I want to try to fix everything and I want to be able to defend myself. Word of God tells us that I don't need to worry about defending myself. God's got that covered. Two types of trouble, sin and those who slander. And he acknowledges that at the end of this chapter. And then he calls out, but as for me, yes, I recognize I'm poor and needy. But the Lord takes thought of me. The Lord hasn't forgotten about me. He is my help. He is my deliverer. Oh, Lord, do not delay in coming to me. And so that's where he concludes. And he has to acknowledge these issues and these troubles that he has. But he also has to acknowledge that he can now rely on God. That he's going to allow God to do the protecting. Because he needs to trust God. And he needs to trust God in all parts of his life. And that's what the beginning of this chapter really addresses. Is being able to trust God in different aspects of your life on a daily basis. And so let's jump into verses 1 through 3. He says this in verses one through three. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction. It's a great portion to underline there. Out of the miry clay, out of the miry bog, he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. He's trusting God. And he's waiting for God to answer. He's stuck. Right now, what you see in David is he is spiritually stuck. I think, I think about David's life. Right, David, when you say David, even someone who doesn't really know God, um, they know and think of two different stories if they know anything about David. They think of David and Bathsheba, which was Psalm 51. I spoke about that last week. But they also speak about what? If you think about David, you think of David and Goliath. So here's someone, even as a young man, witnessed the power of God demonstrated his trust in the Lord to go up when the king, Saul, and everybody else is saying, you can't do this. You can't go up against this guy. And he demonstrated this amazing trust in God, but yet now, later in life, he's struggling. You ever heard of childlike faith? Maybe he's struggling with that childlike faith right now. Life has hit, and he's the king, and he feels all the weight and all the responsibility and all the struggles. And so here he is, and he's calling out the fact that he said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me. He heard my cry. He was spiritually stuck, and he's identifying this. And what he's showing us right away is one of the things that we have to do is we need to trust God in our prayers. This is a prayer of sorts. We need to trust God in our prayers, with our prayers, and being able to call out to him. Because he says, I I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, out of the miry bog, setting my feet upon a rock. He made my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. That's a pretty good prayer. And one of the reasons we need to trust God with our prayers is because we know that our words reveal our heart, but our words also inform our heart. Right? We've said this numerous times here at Chapel Point. We know that our words also inform our heart. I think David, because he's been stuck in this miry bog, this miry clay, he's informing his heart that he can still trust in God. Things are hard and things are difficult, but he can trust in God. And he's thinking about those times where he has literally been in the pits, where his feet are stuck, and he felt like no matter what, the harder he tried to get out, the further in he sunk. That as soon as he says God, I can't take any more than what I'm currently dealing with. It seemed to get worse. I know that I've been there before in life and dealing with relationships and finances and churches and different things and I've go, and i I've, I've had those moments of calling out to God, God, I can't take any more. I, re- I can't take any more. And then it seems to get worse. About 18 seconds later, I get a phone call. And you go, what? And here's David, spiritually stuck, thinking about those things, but knowing that God could deliver him. He could trust in God. Another thing that we see here, verse 4 and 5, is that uh, as we read this, is that we learn that we can trust God with our inabilities. So we can trust God in our prayers, but we can also trust God in our inabilities. Uh, listen to these words. It says, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Another version of this Begins with instead of blessed is the man is how happy is the man who has put his trust in the Lord. How happy is the man? How blessed is the man? Similar to the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Happy is the one who is poor in spirit. Very similar to that. But we can trust God in our inabilities because he says none can compare with you. It's not about what you're capable of. It's about what God, what you will allow God to do in your own life because God is capable of doing anything that he wants. I remember someone came up to me. This was just a few years ago. Um, Yes, it was here at Chapel Point. A young kid came up. They are still in the church. I may need to write their parents a letter because he walked up. He goes, what do you do besides talk a lot? I did not take that personally. I took that prayerfully. And I was like, that's a good question. And of course, I told him a little bit about what my week would look like, and he was not interested at all. But maybe sometimes you don't feel you're good at anything. And you think that what you're good at doesn't really matter in helping anybody else. I truly believe that that David came to a place in his life. I think he began there, Goliath. And then I think through the hardships of being king and all the different things that unfolded even before being king with Saul and running from him, and hiding out in a a cave, all these different things that occurred, all these different things that took place. I think by the end of his life, he truly recognized that through all of his mistakes, and all of his problems, it was less to do about what he was capable of, and what God could do through him instead. And, And some of us need to to trust God and what he can do in your life. And how he can use you in powerful ways. And we discover that here by trusting God with our inabilities. We need to trust God first. We need to trust God before we trust others. Isn't that often what happens? We trust others first and then when that doesn't work out, then we go, God help, come fix, come repair rather than beginning with trusting in God. But God is reliable. He's proven his worth over and over again. Another thing that we need to do after this is calling out, none can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of all that you've done, yet they are more than can be told. He then jumps in and he lets us know that we can trust God in obedience. We can trust God in our prayers. We can trust God with our inabilities. But we can also trust God in obedience because he says, In sacrifice and an offering you have not delighted. This is verses 6-8. through eight. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, behold, I have come in the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will. Oh, my God, your law is within my heart. There's, there's four different kinds of offerings that I see here in verse 6 and 7. 6 and 7 stood out to me so clearly when I was reading. And he says, listen, in sacrifice. And you can underline these, you can write them down. Different offerings are call, called out here. He says, in sacrifice. He says, offer in offering. So, in sacrifice and in offering, right? You have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offerings, right? That's a total consecration. That's a complete surrendering, is what that is. And in sin offering, a sin offering is something that you would do to atone for that sin. That's why they would sacrifice lambs and. And doves, different things of that nature. And then Jesus Christ is now the Lamb of God. That no longer needs to happen anymore because he has atoned for our sin. And so he's calling out these different types of offering. But what God actually desires instead of that is what? You find it there in verse 8 is obedience. I delight to do your will. Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. Right? He calls it out. I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written to me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is written within my heart. And this is, so much of this is about Christ. You can go to Hebrews chapter 10. Can I encourage you to go later on this week? Read Hebrews chapter 10. An amazing passage here. And it's speaking about Christ. That's what this is about. When you start looking at all these different things, it blows me away. Churches who don't preach all of it. (laughs) People who don't really preach the entire Word of God because it's such a beautiful tapestry of what God has called us to. And even here, hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ, they're acknowledging what is to come. And Jesus Christ is calling out in verse 7 of Hebrews 10, I have come to do your will, O God. And just as Christ was obedient to God and calling out that his desire was to be obedient to God, we too are to be obedient to God, to do his will. And we can trust God in our obedience. Even when you really don't want to do something, you know you can trust God and what he can do with that. Another way that we can trust God is with our testimony. Verse 9 and 10. But You can write testimony. You can also, um, we can trust God with sharing our story. Or you can just put with our story. Because we speak a lot here about stories of transformation. And that's when God comes into your life and Holy Spirit comes into your life. And it begins to work. And you see how he's giving you the courage and empowering you, equipping you through Holy Spirit to do things that you never thought you could do otherwise. To be able to lead your family in a way that you never thought you could lead in your family. To be able to serve people in a way that you never thought you would be able to serve because they're the slanderers. But instead of taking it personally, you take it prayerfully. And all these things come into play and Here, David is saying, I can trust God with my testimony, with my story. He says, I have told the glad news of deliverance and the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and of your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love, your faithfulness from the great congregation. Here's David calling out and saying, I need to share what God has done. I need to share how I can trust in him. And you always share that which means most to you. You always share with others that which means most to you. And so if you're not sharing of the Lord, if you're not sharing of how you can have trust in God, right? that's when we say, well, if you don't know how to talk to others about Christ, two easy ways to do it. One, you can look at it and say, hey, real quick, how can I be praying for you right now? that simple again I've had atheists and everybody else say oh, well I mean as long as you're praying I've never been told no to that one time a guy was resisting that a little bit and I said man just just let me pray for you I mean you don't even have to do it right now if you don't want but is it going to hurt you anything well I guess not you can pray for my marriage Or you can say, hey, can I tell tell you what God, this is amazing, can I tell you what God's doing in my life right now? We always say those two things. It's just an easy way to have conversation. And to be able to trust God in telling your story and what he can do with that. And you may not recognize how they receive it. They may even receive it with hostility in the moment, but later on it impacts their life in a tremendous way, in in a valuable way in which it directs them to Christ. And so you're going to trust God with how He can handle the story that you tell. He says, I've told the glad news of deliverance. I'm not going to restrain my lips. I've not hidden your deliverance from my heart. I have spoken of it. I've spoken of your faithfulness, I've spoken of your salvation. So here's David, and he's going, man, I was stuck. I was spiritually stuck. I, I do. I think he went back to his, his earlier days and go, man, I had so much faith before. I had so much trust before. I'm going to have it again now. I need to go back to that youthful uh, just, just youthful excitement about following God. And part of that was sharing his own story. And then he comes to a place in verse 11, where he tells us that we can trust God with our insecurities. Any single person who's ever been born is insecure in some way, form, or fashion. I would say if you've never been insecure about something, please stand up right now because we didn't recognize that Jesus Christ had returned. We've all been insecure at some time about something. And here's David in verse 11. He says, As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. The psalmist asked God, David asked God not to withhold his compassion. And I think that really what's happening here is David is revealing his insecurities. That's why I say the word insecurity. I really do. I think he's revealing his insecurities. He needs to be protected, and I think he feels that at times he's in danger. He's being threatened. I think that he has these huge insecurities in his life, and he's not knowing what to do with them, and he's calling out. God, I need your love and your faithfulness. Please let them preserve me. Don't keep your mercy from me. He knows that he needs God's help to guard him and to protect him. David knows that it is God's love, God's truth that will guard him against things that can make him feel insecure. Can I encourage you this morning to to give less value to what others say you can't do and give complete trust in what God has called you to? I'm going to say that again. I want to encourage all of us to give less value to what people say we can't do and instead give that value, give our trust to what God has called us to. Give less value to what others say that you can't do. And rather, give that value, give that trust to what God has called you to. Because I think God is coming into the life of David and reminding him, I got you. God desires our life to be a triumphant joy A triumphant journey of trusting in Him. But really, to trust God is to place your confidence in God. And you give something confidence because you believe it to be true, even when it doesn't make sense. I think about, Josh, your story earlier with the training wheels, right? Do you trust me? Yeah, Daddy, I do. I've been there. Aren't those amazing words to hear? Yeah, daddy, I do. Those are such good words. And as much as your own heart wells up when you hear those types of words, I think God's heart wells up when he hears those words from us. And you make a decision that you're just simply going to trust God. The very first thing I asked you today was, what's that one area that you really, dist- you really struggle to trust God in? And maybe the opportunity is first to say, God, you know what? I'm going to trust you in X right now, whatever that is for you. For some of you, it's having the confidence in God that is so profound that you're willing to run out and to face the giant. When everybody else says, you can't do that. But David knew he had been called to something. So in that moment in his life, he's not in the miry clay. He's not in the miry bog. He's in a place of trusting God because his confidence in God was so great. He says, no, you don't understand. It's not by my ability. It's by God's ability and what he can do within my life. And we're just stuck. Some of us are so stuck. Stuck in listening to what other people, maybe our parents, maybe our friends, maybe our teachers, maybe our colleagues, and them telling us what we can't do when we need to be consumed by what God has called us to. And trusting in that and allowing Him to empower us through Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit hits you and seeps into the depth of your body, the depth of your core, things in life. Change. You allow yourself to trust in the Lord with all of your heart you, and, and to not lean on your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5. To trust in the Lord means more than believing simply in who he is. It means to have confidence in who he says he is. Trusting in the Lord, one of the greatest results of it, it gives boldness. Having confidence in God gives boldness, it just injects it into your bones. It gives boldness, it gives courage. To trust God in all things. What do you need to trust God in? Finances? Marriage? A relationship? A friendship that you've had with someone? Maybe children? Maybe in school? What do you need to trust God in? And will you. He's got you. He can pull your feet out of the miry clay. And deliver you. For he is a good God. He is a good God. He is a good God. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will run to you. God, I come before you in the name of Jesus. And I ask that you give us the courage to trust you in ways that we've never trusted before. And some of us right now, Lord, I know that we have things that we're not really trusting you with. We're trying to control those things for ourselves, And so, God, I pray that we would surrender those things that we'd have complete confidence in who you are. And so, Lord, because of the confidence and the trust that we have in you, may we stand taller, may we throw our shoulders back, not because of our abilities, but because of yours. And mean, we walk forward with a boldness and a courage that we've never had before because we trust you and we trust in your promises. Even when the life that we desire is not what you are implementing, not what you are orchestrating, we still trust that your ways are greater than our ways and your thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And so we're not going to let that distract us from our trust in the Almighty God. But we're going to walk forward and we're going to call out your name, Lord. And we trust you as individuals. We trust you, God, as a church. May we simply be obedient to whatever you have called us to. And we give you thanks. In Christ's name, amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. And as as we sing, uh, give thought to how you need to trust God. Give thought to what that area is in your life that you need to trust God in. That you hold on for yourself. What do you need to release? Because you trust God with it more than you trust in your own ability. Let's sing to God.